Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined again by Tom Rosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitiv Lipper and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Thanks for having me, Diane. Good to be here. Tom, you recently published your report for November 2020, which covers over 500 closed-end and interval funds. How did investment markets generally perform in November, and what was the impact on closed-end funds? Well, it was a spectacular month, actually. It's the best monthly returns for equities that we've seen since 1987. So really, really good run. I mean, we saw record closes on the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, and even the Russell 2000. So it was a, a big month for returns. We had less uncertainty, presidential election, while occurring in the recounts and a little bit of confusion going on. Still, I think people were finally said, well, we're glad that's finished. We also saw that the Democrats didn't necessarily take the, you know, the all three chambers, didn't take the presidency, the Senate, and the House. Now, that still is up for debate. Obviously, uh, we still have uh, two runoffs uh, occurring in Georgia, so it could happen. But I think people breathed a sigh of relief because inaction for the markets, and they know what's going on, not necessarily big changes in taxes and stuff like that. I think that was a boon for markets overall in the U.S. Uh, also, I think the main driving factor uh, to this spectacular month that we have was the COVID-19 vaccine being created. Uh, we have a trifecta, three different firms coming out with the possibility of a COVID vaccine, and we all know that, in fact, they're rolling it out this week. Of course, in November, we just heard that they were going to be applying to the FDA for emergency application and use. Also, we saw a wonderful non-farm payrolls. Now, it, I say wonderful because it was 638,000 regained jobs. Uh, a lot of people refer to it as new jobs. Uh, we all know that uh, the unemployment rate is still at 6.9%, so it's just the regaining of those jobs lost in March. But the nice thing about it is it did beat analyst expectations of 503, and although it was flowing, it was a positive number. And maybe one of the big stories for this month when we start talking about November returns was that we saw a COVID vaccine-related rally in oil as well, basically pushing crude oil up about 26.68% for the month, which is a boon for a couple of the classifications we'll talk about later. And the last piece that I think was really important for the news portion of it was that we saw rotation. In the past, we'd talked about FANG stocks doing all the beating. Uh, NASDAQ was doing wonderful, but no other rotation. You know, S&P was kind of languishing. Dow was languishing. But we saw that it was a big move. So how this broke out, closed-in funds returned, and the closed-in equity funds returned 9.86%. First month in three that they saw positive returns, and it was their best return since April. April was a big month, as everybody will probably recall. On a market basis, they're up 16.26%, a great return. Fixed-income closed-in funds were up 3.51%, and that was their eighth consecutive month that they've seen uh, positive returns. But the return was about 6.24% on the market, so really, really strong. An exceptional month. And by the way, if we start looking from November to November's uh, type of returns, this was the strongest for the Dow, the strongest November return since 1928. So really, it was a stellar return. Let me end, though, with this rally of, of conversation and numbers I'm throwing at you. Year to date, we actually moved to positive territory for fixed income funds. They're up 2.37%. Year to date for the equity funds, they're still down 1.56%. But let's keep in mind that energy, master limited partnerships, and natural resources funds got Lobbered in March and April. They're still down. Energy master limit partnerships are down 53.86% year to date. And natural resources are down 31.16. So while I'm saying we're still in negative territory, 
it's because those two groups just dragged down that average completely. So when I'm saying minus 1.56% year-to-day for equities, the majority of equities are actually back into positive territory. Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month and which sectors struggled? Well, basically, when we're taking a look at this, uh, world equity funds, so let's take a look at the macro groups first. So world equity funds actually did very well. Remember, I said there was a new rotation going on, and people have been kind of pushing off you know, any sort of world equity, international funds, global funds. They've been kind of ignoring that just because of what's been going on with the COVID-19, up 11.64%. First month in three that they've actually been the leaders of the group. We had developed domestic equity funds that basically returned 9.88%, great return, and even mixed asset funds were up 7.92%. So, But breaking it down for the second consecutive month, and here's why I told you a little bit about the rally in oil, uh, energy master limited partnerships were up 19.34%. Keep in mind, I still said they're down 53.86% year to date, uh, but they had a spectacular month. And natural resources funds on that big rise in oil uh, also saw that they were up about 16.97%. And then the next big category, uh, was developed market funds. So people were looking at the European funds and, and UK funds and the like, basically up 14.25%. So quite a story there. In fact, the worst category, we'll call it the relative laggard because they still turned 3.70% return real estate funds. Uh, so they, they were the kind of the laggard of the group. So, so that was kind of amazing. Now, if we take a look at the fixed income side of the arena, investors were willing to put a, a, quite a bit more risk on. Basically, we saw that uh, they were yield-seeking and risk-seeking. Uh, we saw world bond funds actually, uh, for the first month before, rise to the top of, of the macro groups, uh, up 5.14% for the month. Domestic taxable fixed income funds were up 3.97%. Uh, and even muni bond funds actually did really good, even though people were getting away from the riskier, the less, uh, I should say, the safe assets. Muni bond funds were up still at 2.68%. And the leaders of this group, as one would probably imagine, with world bond being at the top, emerging market hard currency debt funds were up 6.07%. Now, we're all used to hearing like 6%, 5%. This is a bond fund, and it's a one-month return of 6.07%. Uh, global income funds were the next big winner. High-yield high leverage were, were, did very well. And the laggard of the group, if we take a look at it, was intermediate municipal debt funds. They were still up 1.33%. And this is the first month in four that munis have actually been in plus-side territory, and all nine classifications were basically in the black for November. Is this a change from what you saw in October? So we still had, if people recall from uh, last month when we chatted, the uh, energy and MLP funds actually did pretty well. But again, remember I told you that there was a, a kind of a rotation going on in that particular group, but really people were uh, still playing in the FANG stocks. The stay-at-home stocks, FANG stocks, as people refer to the technology-oriented stocks, were, you know, basically the, the darlings of that time. And again, last month was a little bit low. But back to the question, basically what we're now seeing is a rotation into the out-of-favor stocks. And then, so we're seeing national resources, funds doing better. The international markets are approved. Basically, it's a broad-based rally. So it really was quite a change that we had from that period. Again, we were always talking about tax and FANG and that kind of stuff. Now it was a kind of a complete rotation until the end of the month, and then people started going back to the stay-at-home stocks because of the rise in COVID cases and hospitalizations right at the end of the month. Do you expect these trends to continue into December? 
I do in some senses. I think we're going to see a little bit more volatility. All eyes are going to be on the economy. But right now is when the first couple weeks of Great Britain, uh, particularly in the UK, I believe that they're going to be doing the first rounds of vaccines. And I think that will be a boom. But again, I think people have already pushed the stocks up quite a bit. And keep in mind that we are in the last portion of the year, had a spectacular run-up in many stocks and many even fixed income funds. I think there's going to be some tax loss harvesting. So while we see the markets kind of going up and down, we're going to have a little bit more volatility. And we do have to keep our eyes on on what happens with closed-end fund industry quite a bit, and that's that tax tax loss harvesting. So we might see some artificial declines when other markets are going up, maybe some flight declines in equities as people are trying to match those losses with those gains to uh, make their after-tax performance look that much better. Investors often monitor the way that closed-end funds trade in relation to their net asset value. What were the trends in premium discount behavior for November? Basically, what we saw was the large improvement in premium and discounts. That's kind of a big change for November. If we take a look at all closed-end funds, and keep in mind, I, I use the median discount rather than the average because we have some big swings in both premium and discounts. But we saw the median discount narrowed 260 basis points, which is a huge number. Uh, it went down to 7.41%. But it was a big change. And it's better. This is the first time I can say uh, in a matter of months that it's better than the 12-month moving average of median discounts of 8.38%. So the current monthly median discount at 7.41 is looking better than the 12-month moving average. We haven't had that for a while. If we take a look, though, at kind of a more of a breakout, we saw that equities improved 271 basis points, declining at 11.16%, and fixed income uh, actually saw a narrowing of their discount to 1.82 basis points, making it a 6.45% a median discount for the month. And actually, should, I should be saying at month end, right? It actually was measured on November 30th. Closed-end funds often see investors engage in tax-oriented trading strategies near the end of the year. Have you seen any tax loss selling in this space? Not yet. There has been no movement. And the reason we haven't seen it is because we had such a huge market gain that, you know, again, we saw the narrowing of discounts. It was it was just huge. But again, this is something that I expect we'll see movement as we move on in the month. You know, again, year-end selling, there's been some really big profits. But again, if you were the holder of a master limited partnership on the energy side or if the natural resources funds, you may want to try to match some of those losses with some of the gains that we recently experienced. Again, some of the convertible securities funds are in the up 20% for the year so far. I mean, this is some big numbers that are out there. So, you know, I think you're going to see some matching of, of losses and gains to, again, improve that after-tax performance. So, again, we will see some changes, I think, as we go through the end of the month. And nothing yet, though. How do current premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages? So we basically have seen some big movements, as I said before. The historical perspective, we take a look at what the history has been doing. We see that when we look at the overall group, we saw that the median discount had declined uh, to, on, on uh, 1132, 7.41, as I said before. But if I take a look at the overall for closed-end funds on 130, 
2020, right, uh, again, about 11 months ago, we're at 4.95%. So we're still basically looking at uh, some pretty high premium discounts, but again, the improvement has been a lot. Now, if I take a look at the individual, like the equity and fixed income, if we take a look at that and do the comparison, on 131, 2020, the median discount over the last 12 or 13 months was at its lowest point, 5.40%. And on November 30th, it was at 11.16%. But let's keep in mind, the largest spread that we saw in a discounts was uh, it just occurred last month on 10-30-2020. was at 13.86%. So we are seeing a better improvement. Fixed income on the other side, when we're taking a look at it, on 131-2020, the median discount was at 4.69%, whereas on 11-30, as I told you already, it was at 6.45%. But again, the steepest, widest discount we saw was on 328. The median fixed income fund was actually trading at 9.11% discounts. So again, we've seen a big improvement, not the best numbers, but again, we're getting close to them. Which sector saw the greatest change? So if we take a look at it, the best movement we saw was in high-yield funds. And so high-yield closed-in funds had an improvement of 416 basis points. It's over 4% uh, change. So it dropped down to 6.98%. The smallest improvement, nobody saw negatives, by the way, the smallest improvement was basically in the single states muni bond group, the macro group. They only saw an improvement of about 82 basis points to 808. And really, if we take a look at the number of funds trading, so if we look at last month and the prior month, I should say October, we had 52 funds trading in premium territory. Uh, At the end of November, we saw 76 funds trading at premium territory. So that's a pretty big change. Closed-end funds often see a pickup in demand in late December and through January. Is this something you would expect to see in the next several weeks, given where discounts are and following any year-end tax-related trading? That's a tough question, and this is going to be kind of the million-dollar question for everybody who's out there right now and in the closed-end fund space. You know, markets are record highs, right? So we're pushing kind of stretched uh, valuations. Uh, A lot of people feel that we've kind of reached the mark. Again, you know, we hear the NASDAQ and the Russell and the Dow all hitting uh, record territory, record new numbers. And so when we're taking a look at those numbers, we have to keep in mind that we want to keep an eye out for wash sales and tax loss harvesting. So it's going to be a while for people to actually sell the security to avoid a wash sale. They'll have to wait 30 days in which to take care of those numbers. So again, I think we are going to see uh, some changes that we need to keep an eye on. Tom, areas of the economy continue to improve, but we still have areas of uncertainty as we look forward to 2021. Are there sectors among closed-end funds where investors may find particular opportunities given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages? There are, and you know, I brought up two of those, and again, this is not for the faint of heart, and I would keep an eye on this uh, as well as what's going to happen over uh, December and into January. Again, we usually have kind of a sell-off, maybe it's artificial uh, lows in, in the pricing, and then we see a jump back up in January as people are, you know, again, you know, avoiding those wash sales and, you know, bid the stocks back up as they get back in the market. But if we take a look at it, uh, Energy Master Limited Partnerships, Energy MLP Funds, are still down 53.86% in natural resources funds are up 31.16. Keep in mind, I told you that they were at the top of their group for the second consecutive month for outperformance. So I'd be cautious here, but the reason I'm still saying it could be an area that we could find some areas of interest is if we have a COVID vaccine related change in the markets, meaning that people will start traveling more. We get airlines back out there. We get you know, you know people traveling more often in their cars and like demand will increase. We may still see some numbers that again, look better than they had in the past. Now keep in mind when we're 
we're taking a look at this and we're we're trying to trying to figure this out. I mean, keep an eye on gas prices. Is certainly a, a I shouldn't say gas, but oil prices themselves. We went from thirty five seventy nine at the end of the prior month and to, to the end of November again, November thirtieth. We saw oil prices near month crude oil prices, by the way, uh, jump to forty five thirty four. So that was a big jump. Now. We're still at 45.34, so and we've been in this trading range for a while, so it'd be something I keep an eye on. Two other areas that are of interest, and these you know may have to be with people that are interested in the yield possibilities. Again, they kind of struggled this last month. Utility funds are down year to date 4.78%, and real estate funds, considered a yield play by many as well, are still down 4.37%. So these are something that we we keep an eye on. But again, the caveat emptor. My buyer beware piece here is year-end selling could really change things quite a bit. Tom, you also follow interval funds, which typically offer limited quarterly liquidity to investors. How have interval funds generally performed through November of this year? So, uh, you know, if I looked at the individual for November itself, actually the non-interval funds, the conventionally closed-end funds, have basically uh, did better this last month. But if we take a look overall and we take a look at some of the areas we were talking about, uh, real estate funds is one of those areas that there are a lot of interval funds, 29 interval funds versus nine conventional funds. They had a tendency to actually beat their conventional closed-end fund group. 2.36% was the average return for real estate funds that were actually interval uh, closed-end funds, and then the conventional closed-end funds had a negative 10.86, so minus 2.3 versus 10.86. So that's one of the areas we can take a look at. Now, that said, I can go to the sector equity group and tell you that the numbers are a bit different. There was seven interval funds versus 16 conventional closed-end funds. The interval funds on the sector equity side had a 7.08% positive return year-to-date, whereas their conventional closed-end fund brethren had a 12.06% return year-to-date. So, so we've, we've had kind of this dichotomy between the two. One last group is loan participation funds. If you think there's going to be a heightened interest rate problem, as you know, if we get another bailout, it sounds like it's going to be much less than the $3 trillion they were talking about before, or even the $2 trillion. Looks like we're looking at about uh, just a little less than a trillion, 900-some billion uh, in lending. If you think that's going to cause a little bit of inflation, loan participation might be an area you can go into. The interval funds basically were up 0.29%, so barely up. And then if we take a look at the conventional loan participation funds, uh, they were down 1.37% uh, for the year-to-date time period. So again, that might be another area. And by the way, for the split, it's 27 interval funds versus 28 conventional closed-end funds. So that's a great example of taking a look at the comparabilities. They're very close to each other return-wise. As we start looking toward 2021, how would you see investors best utilizing interval funds in their income-oriented portfolios? We've talked about this before, and I think the bottom line is is that people have to remember this is a long buy and hold when you get into these because they're not going to let you out. As you said, they have quarterly refunding, usually some have semi-annual, some are even less re- or more restrictive than that, where they say, you know, we'll try to do semi-annual or quarterly, but if we decided not to do any at all, we can do that as well. And that's in their document. It's because they're going and buying less liquid securities, so they can't just turn around and sell. But again, this is one of those buy and hold things. And of course, you could possibly, if, if we do have the, uh, a moderate sell-off because of task loss harvesting and that type of thing, there could be an opportunity to get into uh, an interval fund at a little cheaper price. Keep in mind, they never trade a premium discount. They always sell a NAV. And so it'd just be something I'd be cautious about. Remember, long buy and hold when you're in an interval fund. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. 
Diane, thanks for having me on, and uh, you want to wish everybody a happy holidays as we go forward. Same to you. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.cefa.com.